This is Simmering Thoughts with host Ryan Akers, where we lift the lid and sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. We hope you will take the time to send us feedback about what you think about this episode and our past episodes. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Simmer Thoughts. On Instagram, you can also find us at simmeringthoughts.podbean.com. You can also find us on many podcast catchers. Please, if you could, take the time to rate and review us as well. Thank you for listening. Settle in and enjoy. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers, the host of the program. Today we are going to be discussing doubt and seasons of doubt in the life of a Christian. It's part of our series on seasons in the life of a Christian. And I have a special co-host with me. His name is Kyle Bierman. He is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Alamogordo, New Mexico, uh, which is somewhere I have not visited as of yet. I'm hoping to get there at some point. I hear it's an interesting town. Uh, I do have some family somewhere in that neighborhood, actually, of New Mexico. We might talk about that a little bit later. And uh, he is also the host of Not Another Baptist podcast or co-host of that. And uh, so that's how I got to to be introduced to him. And then later I got to actually meet him again, as all of our guests in this particular series have been. Uh, somebody I got to meet at Dallas uh, during the Southern Baptist Convention this summer. And so Kyle, uh I know you are involved in a whole lot of things, uh, one of which is church planning and revitalization, and I will uh, let you take on from there as you introduce yourself a little bit further. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me. It's a joy to be with you and appreciate the invitation. Uh, as you said, my name is Kyle Bierman. I am, uh, first and foremost, the, the husband of Michelle. We've been married for 14 and a half years. Uh, we have two kids, Noah uh, who will turn 11 next month, and Haley, who is nine. And so uh, anybody with kids that age knows that you know, life is going full speed ahead right now um, with with some sort of activity almost every night of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after that, I, uh, I'm a pastor of First Baptist Church in Alamogordo, which is a church in the middle of revitalization. And, and so that's really, over the past two and a half years since I've been here, stoked my uh, desire and passion to see churches uh, replanted and revitalized, which uh, has now led to a, a contract position with the North American Mission Board and their replanting division, um, handling some social media for them, and uh, working on a conference that's going to be held next March in, uh, in Atlanta called Am I a Replanter for guys who are interested in um, church planting or church replanting, church revitalization. And uh, let's see. So those two of my jobs, I'm also teaching an apologetics class for a local Christian school that meets in our building. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm tri-vocational at the moment, I guess. Um, on top of uh, helping coach uh, our kids' Lego League team, on, on top of shuttling kids to soccer practices, uh, on top of, you know, Wednesday nights and, and all the other things that come with uh, pastoring a church. So uh, I think it's Tuesday as we're recording this. I'm honestly not real sure. Because all my nights are running together at this point, but um, yeah, and, and as you mentioned, I'm co-host of Not Another Baptist Podcast with my buddy Matt Hensley, uh, who's the pastor just up the road from me here at a little town called Mayhill, New Mexico. As he likes to say, I'm in the desert close to Satan, and he's in the mountains close to God. Um, but uh, we actually next month we'll be celebrating our one year anniversary on the uh, podcast, and 
for some reason, people continue to listen. Uh, we have no idea why. Uh, haven't been able to figure that out, but they do, and we're grateful that, that folks are willing to, to waste a half an hour of their life every week to listen to our nonsense <laughs> and maybe learn a thing or two along the way. It's not total so, nonsense. Yeah, that, there is good I, stuff there. <laughs> There, there. We we try to we try to balance a little bit of content in with the nonsense and and really really good guests. Yes. Um, and yes. I think that's been our saving grace is some of our some of our guests that we've been able to um, coerce into coming on the show with us. So, yeah, man, that's who I am. Grateful to be here tonight. Uh, it's great to have you. Uh, I love having other podcast hosts on as well for a variety of reasons. Uh, quite a few of the guys that have been on have been podcast hosts as well. Awesome. And uh, so I love doing that and, and, and combining ideas and thoughts. So, uh, yeah. well, as we, as we start kind of pivoting toward our topic today, uh, we're talking about doubt in the life of a Christian. And it's really hard sometimes to separate, I think, doubt uh, out from some other things. Um, it, it's, it's hard, especially as we, in the last episode, I was talking with Alan Nelson uh, about uh, seasons of salvation. And uh, so mm. I think there's a difference in dealing with doubt in somebody who is figuring out salvation or has not yet come to salvation and dealing with their doubts as they approach the Bible is it's a very different thing to deal with doubt then than it is to deal with it when you know you're saved and yet you still run into those doubts. I think it, there's a different yeah. spin to it. And so we're going to focus kind of on the latter, I think, right now uh, more than anything. We may kind of cross that bridge a little bit, but I want to really focus on the, in the life of a believer and in, in the life of somebody who has a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, as we, as we walk that path, what drives us into doubt? Yeah, I, I think so obviously the overarching reason for that and kind of the simple pat answer would be sin, right? I mean, that is the thing that would drive us to doubt because at the moment you become a believer, you're not you're not automatically transported, or, or and and oftentimes we're not automatically transformed. Meaning the things we struggled with before we became a believer, oftentimes not not always, but oftentimes will follow us into our relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And and so I think those those same temptations, um, if we find ourselves falling back into old patterns of sin, that can certainly lead us to doubt uh, and there's certainly there's different levels of doubt, but that can certainly leave us to doubt our salvation. If I'm saved, why am I still struggling with the same thing that I struggled with before I became a believer? Shouldn't that have been put to death? And of course the Bible would tell us, well, yes, it, it has been. And, and that thing no longer has power over you, meaning your sin's been forgiven. It's no longer um, you're no longer under the judgment of God. You're you're now under His grace and, and under His mercy, and and eternally secured. As we continue to grow in the image and the likeness of Jesus, and and I think that's just one of the key things to understand. At least in this part of doubt, is knowing that sanctification is a process, right? So justification is is instant. I I am brought from death to life. I'm transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. That happens in a moment. Sanctification is a lifelong process. And and it's a whole lot messier than I think we've been presented a lot of times in, in discipleship material. Yes. Um, where, you know, we just want this straight line going up of spiritual growth. 
where really, you know, we were kind of joking about uh, how audio levels look when you're recording. A lot of times sanctification looks a lot more like those audio levels <laughs> with some spikes and, and, I mean, almost like flat lines at, at times. And, and, and I think that's a key for us to understand that, that sanctification is messy. And, and if we understand that, it doesn't mean doubts will never come, but I think it prepares us to know how to handle those doubts mm. when they arise. And, you know, quite, I've been a believer for almost 30 years. Um, and one of the things I'm finally realizing is that in those moments when, when I still wrestle with sin, when I still wrestle with, with temptation, where I'm not progressing as fast as, as I should, Rather than cause me to doubt my salvation, those things should cause me to fall back on the grace of God and realize that even though I'm still very imperfect and still have a long way to go, um, Christ is walking right here with me. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't. When, at the moment you were saved, he didn't just say, "All right, congratulations, I'll see you in glory, good luck." Uh, he, he sends his spirit with us each and every step along the way, and so. While maybe not an answer to to every instance of doubt, at least that provides us the safety net yes. for when we doubt to know, hey, I can fall back on this thing. I can fall back on God's grace, and, and he's not going to let me go. Uh, one of the things that, as you were mentioning that, it popped into my mind is uh, you had mentioned that he's, you know, he sends the Spirit. And John 14 has always been a comfort to me in that. Um, yeah. that, that he sends his spirit so that he is with us always and that yeah. there's a counselor to come to us and to walk with us. And, uh, it is hard to remember that at times. I mean, and, and I think right. sometimes the guilt that we have, um, of our own selves when, when we do sin, when we do, uh, walk in a season of doubt, sometimes we, we keep guilt up on in ourselves uh, and that guilt keeps us from seeking out and listening to the spirit because, um, you know, kind of as my son, uh, I've got an, an eight year old son who's about to turn nine and, uh, he struggles sometimes with wanting to over punish himself. Mm. He doesn't want us. He, he thinks the punishments we give him are nothing. He wants us to do 20 times more. And, uh, you know, it, and even at soccer practice, you know, I'm his, I'm his coach and, He'll do something wrong, and I'll look at him and like, hey, what, what's going on? And he'll just clam up, and he'll yeah. turn inward. And I think we do that as much doubting ourselves sometimes as doubting God and sure. uh, and and doubting our position toward God even yeah. as, as much as we doubt God himself. And I, I love the idea of, of taking that to sanctification and, and seeing it as – uh, the, 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 the needle of sound waves and watching that go up and down in the valleys and peaks. Um, uh, we often do think about that nice, smooth graph and, you know, it's kind of, I don't know how, how much you pay attention to wall street and all that. One of the things that, that brought this to my mind was I was watching CNBC or whatever it was that particular morning, uh, just watching the news one morning and they showed the daily hourly graph of what had happened oh, on one awful. day. And it oh, was man. like, it, it looked like an EKG. And then they, <laughs> then they zoomed it back and smoothed it down to show a one year chart of the mm. same basic data. It's the same type of data, but they showed a one year and it smoothed down into an arc. And then they took it to a 10 year 
and it smoothed out even more and didn't yeah. have all those spikes. And it's a matter of, and you can play with this. Those of you that are listening, feel free to go to Google Docs or to uh, uh, or Google Sheets or go to Excel and try to make a table, put a bunch of data in, and then tell it to smooth it and watch what happens. And what mm. happens is we think of it, we think of sanctification and we think often of our sin and we think of our walk with Christ as um, as we reflect or as we think ahead. We think of it as that smoothed outline where it, it does a rolling average as opposed to the moment by moment chaos of all these different data points that are in different places. And and it's hard to think about that. And I, you know, I, I totally agree with where that can come into uh, cause us to doubt because we have this data point here. Well, why isn't the next data point anywhere close to that? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we live in a in a society where people like to present sanitized sanitized versions of their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and social media gives us a perfect place to do that. Right. So I, I think part of the problem is we're watching, you know, if you follow uh you know, other believers, other, in my case, other pastors, um, what you see on social media with their smiling families and you see the sanitized version of that, right? What, yep. what you don't see is the fight they had with their wife the night before. When, when you're uh, keenly aware of those things in your own life and in your own marriage and, and your own faults. And, and I think we begin measuring ourselves and our salvation and our sanctification versus sanitized versions of other people. So, so we take our raw experiences and, and compare that with sanitized versions of everybody else. And, and, and it's discouraging, right? Cause I look at these folks and I'm like, man, like this guy has a perfect life. He's got a perfect church. Look at this. And then you actually sit down and talk and, and, and discover, Oh, like, like this guy's going through the exact same stuff that I'm going through. And it's, it's just, um, I, I'm not, I'm not in his body. I'm not, I'm not experiencing everything that he's experiencing. You mean and, your church goes um, through that too? I love that conversation. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> your kids exactly. do this too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your kids aren't, they're always smiling in your pictures. Like they're, yeah. <laughs> they're all put together. <laughs> um, their mom does a good yeah, job. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so certainly, you know, I think the most base level, we could say that sin causes um, doubt. And, and in our lives, our own sin will cause doubt in our lives. But then if we back up and you look kind of more of a, at a cosmic scale, um, for instance, you know, we've just watched hurricane Florence just pound the Carolinas. Yes. And, you know, I, I went and I worked disaster relief for a week last year after uh, hurricane Harvey hit. And it's been a week in orange Texas and just watched, saw this devastation that, that it hit about a, a month late after the storm actually hit and watched, well, while um, you, you were know, there, were... I was in Florida, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, too, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, going through neighborhoods where everything people own is in a, is in a junk heap at the curb yep. and, and you're seeing this and that, that can cause doubt. And certainly I think, you know, we would say that in, in the life of non-believers who would look at that and say, man, if, if, if there's such a thing as a God, why these things happen? Yes. And again, from our, from our standpoint, we understand those things happen because of sin, because um, in Genesis 3, when the fall happened, it, it fractured God's good creation so that our world doesn't operate the way God designed it to. Um, and now we, here we are in this, in this already not yet uh, of Christ who's um, redeemed the, the world through his uh, life and death and resurrection, and yet we await the, the full realization of that in, in, his, in his second coming. 
And and so we still wrestle with this fallen, broken world that that, that we know one day will be set right, but it's not there. And, and we still see the effects of, of that sin. And for me, at least, in, in conversations I was having with folks during that time who were not believers, that was the best answer I had for them. You know, why does this happen? Yeah. But because the world does not operate the way God designed it to. But but one day it will. Mm-hmm. One day all this will end. That that's the hope that we have in the gospel, right? That yeah. the, the way things are right now is not the way they're supposed to be, and not the way they're destined to be for eternity. Um, and so I, I I think that's an important element to remember in doubt too. I mean, we just we, we we doubt because of our own sin. We doubt because of what I would say sin with a capital S, just sin in general. Um, yeah. be, because it's affected everything from our relationships with spouses to our relationships with our kids to you know relationships within the church yes there's a shocker right that, that <laughs> sin would affect that as well no. um to yeah <laughs> to, to you know the the down to the to the micro level to the thoughts that run through my head on a daily basis yes sin and and you know we we know from from what scripture says john 10 we we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can plant a seed of doubt in us and cause us to doubt, um, and, and I know we're going to talk about this in a minute, not, even if we don't reach the point where we doubt God's existence overall, but if we can doubt his attributes, mm-hmm. his goodness, if he can plant that seed of doubt in us, I think he'll do that. Um, to Even if we say, well, I still believe in God, but I'm not sure that, that it's the God that, I've, that I read about in the Bible. Um, if Satan can do that to us, he'll... He, he's happy to to steal, kill, and destroy in any way he can, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, no scruples there. He <laughs> that's right. You know, and and I think about it sometimes. Of of I hear so much about expectations and expectations that come up short, and I think that plays so much into here. You know, you, you think about uh, the popular ideas that we have in our minds of who God is, and how much culture teaches us that when we're not thinking about it. And so then when we get into the word and we, and we see who God is, we know it, but we have that, that other definition in there that's not been taken away yet and redefined. So we have two pictures of who is God and we look at those two pictures. And then we look at the, the, the mess that our life looks like sometimes. And we struggle to figure out which picture is the real picture. And, uh, one of these things is not like the other. And we have to figure out which one is the right one. And and that causes us to doubt and causes us to, to question. And, and you opened the door to it. We discussed a little bit beforehand. Uh, but the idea of looking at, at and doubting God in his attributes. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's as Christians, we do get to doubting God's existence. But I think it's probably more frequent that we doubt one of his attributes. Um, and, and, you know, whether that's in a time of, of sickness or of, of loss of doubting God's goodness. Um, I know that as my brother died when I was and this is something that's come back on the podcast a ton. So if you're a regular listener, you know this, but, uh, if my, you know, when my brother died, one of the things that, that we talked about was that, that it wasn't a matter of doubting God's goodness because that's not on the table. But I think sometimes as I hear folks doubt that, that is one of the things we doubt is, is God really that good? And we have to convince ourselves sometimes that God really is good. His love really is toward us. Uh, sometimes we doubt God's wisdom. Uh, we doubt in his grace. We doubt, is it is his grace really able to reach me? 
uh, to this sin? Does it go to there? Uh, and we doubt his forgiveness. Is his forgiveness yeah. really complete? You know, as a, I struggle with this one as a father because I try to, and I struggle with it in the classroom as well. Because one of the things I'm a, I want to, when I forgive, I want to forgive and be done with it. And that is so hard to do, especially in a classroom setting where the kids don't have any concept of grace. And I can't, you know, with my son, I can sit down and say, all right, son, three months ago, we dealt with something similar, but that's, I'm not dealing with that today. Today we're dealing with today. That was then it was dealt with. We've moved on. Now we're dealing with what happened today. And today that didn't happen. And so we don't have to go over that again. Uh, but it's so hard to do at school and be able to convince and discuss that with um, the student. And, but I think we do it in church, too. We we still doubt our own forgiveness so often. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason that, that uh, especially Paul, uh, and I think of Peter especially, in First Peter, deals with that a lot of of who is God and what is the basis for your belief. Hebrews, it's, I mean, goodness, that's the whole book of Hebrews is, is you can rely on Christ as your substitute. You can rely on him as your high priest. Uh, but we doubt those things yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so if we're talking, you know, doubting the attributes of God, um, I, I think ultimately what we're doubting is his sovereignty, right? And look, whether you're, whether you're a five point Calvinist or, or wherever you fall on the, on the Arminian Calvinist spectrum, um, you're going to have a hard time arguing that God's not sovereign from, from the Bible. Yeah. Um, God answers to no one, regardless of what that means for your soteriology. Uh, so if we start doubting his goodness, if we start doubting his grace, if we start doubting his mercy, his forgiveness, uh, ultimately we're doubting his sovereignty, I think, because it's saying, um, I don't trust that in this moment, God's in control. Um, you know, I might, I mean, we might sing about it, but, but really when the rubber hits the road, I, I doubt whether or not, um, God's goodness applies in this situation whether or not his grace really is sufficient for my circumstance. Um, and, and, you know, look, I've dealt with that as a pastor. You know, there have been some, uh, whether it's a church vote that didn't quite go the way that I would have preferred it, or, um, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor in a church revitalization, which means I'm just rolling in the money, right? I mean, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, or, or even as that, you know, man, I'm, I'm looking at the bills that I've got to pay and I'm looking at our bank account and something's not adding up. And, and in that moment, I, my, my first instinct is as much as I would like to say, well, my first instinct is just to, you know, to tell my wife and kids, we'll be fine. Just have faith in the Lord. He will, you know, he'll, he'll, the Lord will provide for us in this. My first inclination is to panic yep. and go, Oh my word. Like we're not going to survive this. Um, which removed from those situations is completely ridiculous, right? But it's still um, – that exposes the fear and the doubt that are still in my heart, ultimately about the character and the nature of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, part of my sanctification is is still learning to trust God when it's difficult to trust him. Yeah. And and so, you know, the now if you really want to get into God's sovereignty we could we could ask the question does that mean then that God's going to provide more difficult opportunities so that I learn to trust him more through difficult opportunities um and that's a completely different conversation for a whole other day um 
it's <laughs> there's a little relation there, but I think at the same right. time, if we were to sit down and and do that, let's if we take a five minute sidelight here, uh, you know, if you run into the Old Testament and you look at at the Israelites, uh, you know, the promise was you're going to be sent into slavery, yeah, hundreds of years before it happened. Um, the 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 promise was that you're going to be sent into exile, and that exile is meant to purify you. Um, yeah. I, I think there's no doubting the pattern of scripture. I mean, it, we're, we're in James right now. Pastor just started, my pastor just started, uh, pardon me, just started into uh, the book of James a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and so we, we, we've been dealing with the idea of the trials that are coming and that the trials are there, uh, for the purpose of causing you to stand the test and the causing you to grow yeah. in grace. And so, you know, I don't think that's outside of, of where doubt is, because I think sometimes we doubt because we don't see, we don't understand where the road's going. And because we don't see what the destination, we are such a destination driven humanity. And I, this really isn't a, a generational thing. I think this is right. just humanity. We want to know what is step one, two, three, four, five. And, yeah. and walking into that, it's really hard. Um, you know, if we've been at our, at my church, we've, we've had great times. We've had struggle times. Um, and personally, I've talked about a couple of times on the podcast some professional struggles that I've had and a couple of times where those dovetailed together all at once. And, uh, one of the things that, that I have learned to do in my wife, the first time I did this and said it to her out loud, the look on her face and, and she looked at me like, you've got to be kidding. We're going to try that. And uh, what I said was in, in prayer, I said, God put a fog in front of me. I don't care about step two. Show me one step. I only need to mm. just put a fog in front of my car. I don't need my headlights on. Show me one step. And if I can yeah. do one step, then show me the next step. And I don't yeah. need to know the end. And that, that for me, that has been something that has helped me to stay away from some of the doubt because I'm not trying to micromanage what the end result is. I'm not trying to make it go to a result that I want it to be. I'm just trying to be faithful to what, where is God putting my next foot? And it's, it, it, in a lot of ways, it was a lesson that's been born out of my brother dying. That's been born out of yeah. uh, moving a few times and learning how to, to pick up and, and, and start over again. And, uh, also it's been born out of, of reading the Bible and reading scripture. You know, you think about the, uh, the apostles and you think about the missionary journeys, uh, and the, the dispersion. And you think back even into the old Testament with the exile, uh, you know, they didn't know the whole picture and over and yeah. over the prophets, prophets kept saying, I have a plan, follow the plan, do this. Yeah. And so that pattern is kind of what developed that, that way of thinking in my mind. And it helps relieve some of the doubt. Yeah. And you know, so as you were talking there, I mean, I was even thinking about, you know, asking when you were asking the Lord to put a fog, um, you know, I immediately thought Psalm 119, 105, I mean, go back to VBS and the pledge <laughs> to the Bible. Yes. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And, yeah. you know, if you think about what David was referencing there, um, he wasn't refer referencing a halogen, uh, flashlight there. I mean, he was talking about a lantern mm -hmm. where, where you can see five feet in front of yourself for the pillar you, you of fire in the, in the desert. Yeah. 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 You know, and I, I mean, so, so if we're talking about a, um, a lantern, I mean, you can see five feet in front of you, you can see your next step Yeah, and, and that's it. 
you know, and, and I think sometimes we, we just want God's Google map for our life, right? I want you to show me where I am. I want you to show me where I'm going and how long it's going to take to get there. I need to and turn all my the turn directions along the way. Exactly. Yes. And, and all the stops along the way. And, um, you know, if you can give that to me, we'll, we'll be awesome. Are you, but, but are you whole, old enough to know the triple eight? You remember the old triple eight trip ticker? Map. Uh, I'm afraid not. I remember that one. I think one. I'm a little bit too old for you on that. <laughs> they used to have these, and and it may. We used to travel a lot with a couple that was they were AAA members, and they would go in and they would talk to their AAA guy, and he would print up this little spiral bound flip chart that would cover about every two hours of the drive, and it had the whole map on it, and you could just flip your way through your travel. And so every summer when we went on vacation with them, they would hand me that map because they had already studied it and knew what was going on. And so I'd have my atlas and I'd have the trip ticker and I could flip through and it would have places to stop marked on it. I mean, it was it was the turn by turn Google map direction that we get today in in analog format. And uh, I think sometimes, you know, we want to we want to see the overall picture instead of that that little trip tick. Right. <laughs> Sorry, it was a, and, and a it, memory that no, popped that, in my head. That's funny. I'm not, that Ryan, I'm not that much I'm younger old, than you, but I, I know. I, I don't I'm remember just that old one. enough. Sorry. I'm just old enough. That, I'm that weird. I'm in that weird bridge generation. I'm not yeah. really Gen X, and I'm not really millennial. I'm both. Yeah. I am really I'm, I'm, and truly both. So I'm I'm one of those '80s millennials, which yeah. which I always like to. Um, I, I'll always preface that because I, and I say it, we're very different than the nineties millennials. Yes. And, and basically the, uh, the cutoff there is whether or not, uh, you remember watching saved by the bell after school. And, and I think that's kind of the, the defining moment there. You know, if you if you remember saved by the bell, uh, if that was a part of your childhood, I, then, I do then remember you're an eighties millennial. And <laughs> see, I can, so, I can take uh, it a step further though, because I remember I'm just barely old enough to remember Reagan getting shot. So okay. because yeah. I remember that, I don't qualify as an '80s millennial. Uh, I'm 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 back in the '70s, just a little bit. In fact, my <laughs> my students at school they always want to know, "Hey, Mr. Akers, how old are you?" And uh, I always tell them that I was born during Jimmy Carter's administration while he was president, and I graduated high school during Bill Clinton's first term. And I won't tell them anything <laughs> else. I will not let them know anything. They try to guess. It's like, go do the math. All you have to do is sit That's down with funny. a pen and write it down. But they always want to guess. And uh, so I always do that to them. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's funny how we see those things differently by generation, and yet we see the same right. things. I mean, even the technology yeah. changes. But, you know, we're mentioning Google Maps, mentioning that. If you go back um, even beyond that, you know, the, we had folks that were traveling that, that were making the maps as they went in some right. cases. And yeah. uh, that that whole idea of a light unto my feet, when you're making your map as you go, that's a little bit different level of trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think so I think with, with the Christian life um, in Hebrews 11, we're given the pattern of those who've gone before. Right. And mm-hmm. I think uh, the, the whole point of that is saying, listen, here are men and women who, who have lived this life of faith well. Mm-hmm. Look at their examples. I mean, if you look at that, a lot of their lives were absolute train wrecks, right? <laughs> they, were, I mean, they were a worse train wreck than not another Baptist podcast. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> exactly right. And so, 
you know, I, I was telling, I was actually visiting with a group of ladies. Uh, so we're recording this on a Tuesday night. We're baptizing, if they all show up, six ladies tomorrow night on a oh, Wednesday amen. night. Um, so super excited about that. But kind of discussing with them, very similar to this. And, and just they were talking about some of the doubts that they've had. You know, we had two who accepted the Lord as Savior last Wednesday night. And, and already, like, she was like, I just have this doubt. Like, what happened? It, it wasn't mm. real. And, um, you, you know, I, I told him, I said, one of my favorite parts of reading through the Bible every year is, is in January, starting over in Genesis, because in Genesis, we're given these stories of these folks who are heroes of the faith. And, and the more you read them, like they're not very heroic. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, you know, you've got, you've got wildly controversial stuff that's happening. <laughs> you've got, uh, folks who, you know, Abraham who tries to pass his wife off as, as his sister twice. Um, so that, you know, so, and also allows her to go dating other guys while he's doing exactly. That. I mean, he's yeah. handing, he's not just letting his wife, you know, passing him right. off as a sister. He's passing off as a sister so that she ends up in somebody yeah. else's tent in the process. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's right. I don't read it. it I have a hard time reading Genesis. My son wants to, to read the Bible with me and I, I struggle I have not yet gone through Genesis with him because, you know, I don't want to deal with that. And <laughs> I'm not, so, I'm not ready to explain some of these things. Yet. <laughs> so we've spent some time in some of the prophets, and we've spent some time in John, and uh, spent a lot of time in Psalms, but uh, I haven't really gone to Genesis yet. And, and in that case, that's Abraham, right? I mean, yeah. you don't have. I mean, he's he is one of the, the top five guys in the Old Testament. Yeah, and and and, and his life. Um, was well, yeah. To, to, for lack of a better word, his life was a train wreck, and yeah. yet God used him not because mm-hmm. of his greatness, but because of his faith. And then you get to David, right? I mean, who <laughs> commits murder or commits adultery, and then uh, commits murder trying to cover up his adultery, mm-hmm. and he's still called a man after God's own heart. Yep. And, and so, in those moments of you know my own sin and my own doubt, when I read those stories. It lets me go, okay, man, if God could still use David and and still carry out his plan mm-hmm. for the salvation of humanity through David's line, maybe he's not quite done with me yet. Maybe there's yeah. still hope for me. I mean, I haven't, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't committed murder yet. So <laughs> I mean, maybe there's still hope that he can use me yep. in, in those ways. Well, my um, mind always goes to Peter with that and thinking of all the stupid stuff he said. And I mean, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, and then and then the whole the whole thing with the denials, and I I don't throw any shade at him for that because there have been times in my life where the moment was bigger than my faith, and I've failed at it. And but then we get to the beach, and and Jesus just says, "Do you love me?" It's not he does he doesn't condemn him, he doesn't because there's no need. I know you believe in me do you love me? And then, okay, you love me now go and do. And, uh, I mean that just, that whole scene, uh, talk about a man who struggled with doubt, uh, throughout Peter was struggling with doubt in so many different ways. And, uh, it, it, that's one of the ones that gets my attention. And, and you mentioned, uh, the Hebrews 11 list. And, and as we reflect back on these folks, I think because of what's fresh in my mind, we had a church member pass this week uh, and we just did the funeral today. 
And so I've been reflecting on him a lot over the last week. And I posted about it uh, on Twitter and Facebook, both uh, that, you know, this is a man who he wasn't a, a Sunday school teacher. He wasn't a deacon. He wasn't a, a pastor. He, he was just the guy who fills the pew. He was a member of the church and he served so faithfully in so many different ways, but just not as a leadership person. And at the same time, he was a leader in the church because if the doors were open, he was there. He was always in his seat and, and he wasn't always in the same seat. They moved around, but he was at least, I mean, he was there. He was a presence. His Bible was always open. He always had a question. He was always seeking to learn more. The love he had for his wife was, you could see it. You could sense it. You could feel it when they walked in the room and the tenderness they had as they grew older. I mean, just watching that and, and then to talk to him and his openness and honesty with the struggles he had with his failing health, with wanting the best for his wife because he knew his health was failing, with um, loving his children, even though one of them is a a severely special needs uh, child. And, I mean, just watching him is such a blessing to me, and that causes me to see, okay, he's struggled with this, and yet this is who he is. And there's, I mean, as you were saying, there's hope for me yet. I mean, my goal, one of my goals in life is to be him when I get old. If I can be that faithful, if I can be in my seat every time, if I can be seeking the word out when I can't barely see the words on the page, but still have my eyes open and reading it and trying to make sense out of it and asking questions when I'm at the end of my time, the Lord will have blessed me more than I can ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so, you know, and then I'm trying to think some, some other things that, uh, cause doubt to, to, to come up in, in our lives. And I think, uh, you know, speaking from my expect or my experience as a pastor in church revitalization, it is simply, um, unmet expectations that, yeah. that I had, um, you know, again, we, we talked a little bit about the uh, the sanitized version of, of people's lives on on social media, and I think um, one of one of the things that's been in many cases good, but m- maybe that's kind of hamstrung some of us in, uh, as Mark Clifton would say, normative sized churches, <laughs> is we've watched some of these um, some of these guys who've gone into tough places and have just seen explosive growth and quickly. Yes. Um, and then sit back and go, man, what am I doing wrong? Like, why is this? Why am I not seeing this? And and listen, I'm a uh, I'm a huge uh, fan of Matt Chandler in, in Dallas at the Village Church. Um, and I always like to disclaim that and say I've been listening to him since before he went to the Village Church yeah. uh, when he was leading uh, Grace Bible Study in Abilene, Texas, at a college Bible study at Beltway Park Baptist Church in Abilene. Um, he came and did a revival at, at Wayland Baptist University where I was going to college. So so I'm always like, I'm pre-hype Matt Chandler. Okay, I've, I've been on the Chandler bandwagon before most people even knew who he was. So, um, But he went to this church that was running about 160 people in, in Highland Village uh, in the Metroplex in Texas. And, and almost like he had the golden touch, right? I mean, he, he went there and things just blew up. And there for a while they were averaging um, – they were growing at a rate of about a thousand people a year. And I just remember hearing that as a youth pastor, I was like, man, that's awesome. 
And so, you know, when I went to my first church as a, as a 29 year old, um, uh, fresh out of a youth ministry, go, going into my first church as a pastorate, this is a church of 25 or a community of 2,500 people. Mm. And I'm like, man, we're going to see like explosive growth. And, and it didn't happen. Yeah. And for me, that was a, that was a real, uh, a lot of good things. We experienced some wonderful things there, but there was always kind of this underlying, like, man, what am I not doing? Like, why am I not seeing thousands? Well, well, for one, our church, our, our entire community did not ha- really have thousands in it. It wasn't going to happen. Um, and then coming here and uh, to, to a church that's um, experienced uh, an, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to say this. Um, a really really rocky last 10 15 years, um, where I mean just consistent decline. Yeah. And and a couple of a couple of explosions or a couple of uh, blow ups. Maybe explosion is the wrong, <laughs> <laughs> the wrong word. A couple of blow ups where where uh, mass exodus of right. people. Um, and um. Then coming in and being two and a half years in, and you know when I came here, I knew it was going to be a long road. I knew it was going to be difficult, but still underestimating how long and how difficult it was going to be. Um, and you know now in that season, that two and a half years where you know the the honeymoon's over, um, they know I'm not perfect. I know they're not perfect, and and now saying okay. Are, are we committed to one another for long term? And, and in fact, this past Sunday, we, we had that conversation where, where we just simply said, look, I, I, where I said to the church, look, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to see this thing out. And try, try, you know, just trying to assuage some of that, some of that doubt in, in their minds as well. And listen, we, we came here trusting that the Lord had good things in store for this church, yeah. knowing it was not going to be an overnight turnaround. The, the church did not decline overnight. There was no reason to believe it was going to turn around overnight. Um, but even then, you know, so first couple of years we saw, we saw some growth. Um, and then as we were talking before, uh, before we came on air, uh, man, you were talking a little bit about the summer that you guys experienced. We got hit hard this summer too, just, uh, numbers declined and which most people would call, um, summer, right? Yeah. (laughs) That is, that is normal summer for, for most, for most places. Um, and, and really weird mix because in, in within a span of, of about four weeks, we saw our highest attendance of the year and our lowest attendance of the year yeah. in the summer. Uh, and so, I mean, you, you know, you talk about just kind of a roller coaster of emotions um, where I've really had to learn that, you know, who I am as a pastor, my, I can't find my value in how many people are filling the pews on Sunday morning. Yep. Um, because one of the things I've, I've come to learn is that I have – zero control over who decides to walk through the door on a Sunday morning. I can invite them. You know, I can love them. We, we offer what, what I feel like are, are quality programs and, and getting better in some areas, but, but I still have zero control over whether someone decides to get out of bed and, and come to church with their family on Sunday morning. And um, so if I try, if I find my value in the wrong things, that can lead to doubt, right? Where is my identity found? And if it's not grounded in the fact not even that I'm a pastor, but that I'm a child of God, yeah. freely loved and freely forgiven by God, then, again, Satan will use those as seeds of doubt to, to make me question my calling, to make me question my value, not just as a pastor, but as a, as a person, right? Like, am yeah. I um, a, a, am I 
am I good enough to do this? Did I totally miss my calling in life? Um, and you know, the, I think the gospel would tell us that that's garbage, but, but Satan would love to latch onto our hearts and just convince us that, that that's the case yeah. <laughs> as little as he can. You know, as I've, I've listened to that and I, I think the same things that happen in, in my life and have happened is, as within our church body in different ways, but similar, similar things. And I, as I talk to other folks from other churches, I hear the same stuff. It's the same things that we deal with. And we're so, we are tied to the idea that we, we are supposed to bring in more people and we are supposed yeah. to go out and share the gospel, but that doesn't always mean they come to our church. And right. uh, it doesn't always mean that God intends them to come to our church. And, you know, I reflect back on uh, some of the folks that I've had the opportunity to walk alongside of in the in the last years and what they're doing. You know, we're we we're we see that if they're worshiping God, if they're following God, if they're faithful and if they're serving in a church, we really shouldn't have to ask for more than that even if it's not my church. And that's one of the hardest things for me. And, and, and sometimes it is legitimately that, that, that God takes someone from one building and moves them into another building and another fellowship for a season in their life of growth, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's, it's that they need to be ministered to in a particular way that this church is better at, or whether it's that they're a leader and in where they are, somebody's already in that lane and over here they're needed or whether it's to plant a church, or whether it's uh, a time where um, they just need something different to kind of jolt them a little bit. There's so many reasons that that folks move churches. Some are exceptionally legitimate reasons. Some of them are as uh, flaky and hollow as a Krispy Kreme donut. But at the same time, <laughs> they, they are, they're still going. And, and whether I think it's a legitimate reason or not is really irrelevant. The question is, are they in a place that teaches the gospel? Are they in a place that they can grow in sanctification? Is it a place that they're growing in obedience to the word? If those three questions are yes, I should shut up. And I struggle right. with that. Oh, do yeah. I struggle with that as a leader? And as somebody who wants to see my church grow, man, that hurts. And, and, and having those relationships, um, you know, you're not able to spend time together as much. And so it's almost like the relationship is broken for a time, uh, before you're able to work together. And I fought it as a band director, you know, I fought and I, I finally learned right before I moved to elementary school, I finally learned that I need to teach this year's kids this year. And not worry wow. about next year and not expect that I'm going to have the child from sixth grade to 12th grade. Because the fact of the matter is right. I may start 40 in sixth grade. By the time I get them to seniors, there's probably only going to be 15 at best. Right. And, you know, tr trying to remember that and to learn and, and to develop the relationships while I have them. Uh, and I was not good at that, especially when I was first in the, in the job, I expected, you know, you're going to be in, in we're going to have you for seven years, man. And, uh, that was the wrong thing to do. And, and I think sometimes yeah. we approach it that way that, uh, when somebody joins my church, they're going to be here till they die. Um, that's uh, pretty clear that God moves people around a lot and right. whether it's through work changes and, you know, physical relocation 
or sometimes he really does call people. And, and I think sometimes even our, our, our seasons, we experience them as seasons of doubt, maybe. And I think sometimes that's God placing a little bit of, of un, uh, uncertainty or uncomfortableness in us so that we will seek somewhere else that we're going to grow. Uh, yeah. and it's, I, that's a hard one to, to source through. And I don't, I don't yeah. know if we've got the time to really source yeah. all the way into that because yeah. that's pretty deep. Well, stuff. But, but I mean, I think we, it's true. We, yeah. And we, we talked earlier about, um, those moments where we're tempted to doubt God's sovereignty. Right. And I think a lot yeah. of times the answer for that, the, the answer, um, to see the way God's sovereignty plays out in our lives is time. Yeah. Right. So when we look back, all of a sudden we can see how how God how God used those experiences in our lives to bring us to where we are now so, so case in point um, I was a youth pastor for a full, full-time youth pastor for um, about eight years or so um, and uh, you know in youth in youth ministry I mean that that's a it's a transient ministry right I mean you get kids in there and, and yes. just like you said you know on the long end you have them for seven years Um you come into a church and you've got kids that are uh, sophomores or juniors. You have a very limited time before they graduate and move on. Um, and I always wrestle with that. Like, like how do I how do I pour into these kids' lives in such a way that they that that faith carries them through? And I'm not sure I ever figured that out as a youth pastor. Now, now here I am, six years uh, after I became a since I've as as our state youth guy likes to say, since I left the ministry to enter uh, into the pastorate, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that's a great line. I, I, lovely. I still laugh every time you say that. But um, now I'm serving in an in an Air Force community, where where get this, um, the U.S. government sends us people, right? Yes. I mean, they they they're literally moving people into our community to, uh, to as as part of this Air Force base, and, and we get to minister to some of them while they're here. And on the long side, they're here for three or four years. And so suddenly, like that mindset that I had as a youth pastor is really coming back into play here mm-hmm. as, a, you know, what we'd call a senior or a lead pastor. Um, because I'm realizing I have a limited amount of time to pour into these families but then here, here's where my thinking is really starting to change. And, and again, where, where we trust the sovereignty of God. We have the opportunity. We're a small church. We don't have a, a ton of funds. Um, and so we're, we're not in a position where we can fund a missionary by ourselves, right? But, but we have the U.S. Air Force who is taking folks from our church and sending them literally around the world. My tax and dollars all of a sudden, at work. Like, exactly. <laughs> yes. So we have taxpayer-funded missionaries. And all of a sudden, oh, I'm like – That's beautiful. And it's taken me a couple of years, right? I'm two and a half years in, but all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. We got, we got to take advantage of this. Yeah. Like we have to leverage this for the beautiful. kingdom. And, and because it's dawned on me, we have the opportunity, not just, I mean, we, we, we send money to the cooperative program and, and I'm a huge champion of uh, obviously NAM, right? I'm supported. Yeah. So please continue supporting the cooperative program, Southern <laughs> Baptist. I appreciate your gifts. Um, but through NAM, through the IMB, we, we fund missionaries. But now First Baptist Church of Alamogordo has the opportunity um, through our tax dollars to send missionaries around the world. Um, and that is – that that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about right now. And like I said, it goes back to my uh, youth ministry days where I'm like, okay, we have a we have a short window comparatively speaking. But what can the Lord do as we pour into and disciple 
and raise up men and women to be gospel forces in in the Air Force community, which is, as I'm learning, is a dark place in and of itself. And, yeah. and anyone I think who has a military um, is in a military community has any experience in the military would agree with that. It's it's a difficult place to uh, live and work, a difficult place to to be a believer in in many cases. And we have the opportunity to send missionaries to push back darkness here at Holloman Air Force Base and from here uh, around the world. Um, and that's, man, that's awesome. And so, you know, if we're talking about doubt, I mean, that's the cure for doubt is, is I think oftentimes stepping back, taking those blinders off that we tend to put on, right? Where, um, where, where we kind of get tunnel vision and all I can see is like this problem or this hurdle that's right in front of me. And to take a step back and look at God's grand design. Yeah. And, you know, the story of Joseph. And, and if there was anything in Scripture that I, that I would say I wish we had, like like I wish we had Joseph's journal from the time where he's in um, you know, Pharaoh's dungeon yeah. <laughs> to see what he writes. And, and thankfully we have David's journal in the Psalms, right, where, I mean, at times he'll say, oh, you know, I praise you because you're faithful and you always hear me. And then, like, in the very next Psalm, it's like, why don't you listen to me? Why are you not here? Yep. And, and to, to realize, man, doubt is a, it, it's a struggle, yes, but it's a part of the, the Christian life. It's a part of learning to follow God. And then we get to look back at our lives and see that even in those, those rough days, even in those times where it was maybe where we felt most desperate, he was right there with us and his grace never left us. For those, um, I think of Daniel and Esther, uh, yeah, particularly, and you know, we do in some cases have Daniel's journal uh, to a degree, and uh, you know, the, yeah. the parallels between Daniel and Joseph have always stood out to me, the similarities, yeah. and uh, man, that's such good stuff. As we sit uh, to step back and look, it, it's definitely one of the keys, and you know, there's a difference between. For me, a lot of times there's a difference between while I'm stuck in the middle of it or as I sense myself beginning into a season of doubt or or even a, just a time period of struggle uh, to really focus on that short term, uh, but to not look ahead too far myself, but to look at God's plan, the way you worded that, to look at God's plan in the long scheme, in the long form, helps me to trust the first step that gets me that, that he's leading me to, uh, to go yeah, back to what absolutely. we had talked about earlier. Uh, and I, you're mentioning about the, the two to three years, you know, that you guys have, I saw a stat and I cannot remember who it was. It might've been Mark Clifton. It might've been somebody else that's involved in the, the church revitalization work. It was somebody on Twitter and I cannot, I, they, I could try to look it up. It's been a few weeks ago, so it's buried, <laughs> buried in the timeline somewhere. But uh, somebody had mentioned that, you know, it's getting to the point where average church membership is only five years, uh, especially. Oh, wow. I had, new members. I had not seen that stat. And, wow. And it was like, you know, you're, the new members that are coming in, the average, the average length of time they stay in one congregation is around five years. Uh, and mm. I don't know whether that's just the, the churn of, of life where, you know, folks physically pick up and move because we're changing, uh, the, the speed of changing jobs is so much faster now than it was a generation ago or two. Right. Um, and so that's part of that. But then you add in the fact that we do have a, uh, a lot, 
of it seems like more church hopping. I don't know if it is because I've read accounts recently that go back into the 1700s, 1600s, where they're complaining about church hoppers. So yeah. I'm not sure that's new. Uh, and But at the same there's time, there's nothing new under the sun, right? That's what nothing. Ecclesiastes told us. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, these are things that have happened before. Uh, but, you know, when, when you think about it, if you've got, if you've got an average of five years uh, to minister to someone, and it could be a combination of, and, it, and I don't remember the stat exactly. So it might've been a combination of, of pastor and church member that as a pastor, you only have your church members for about five years or whether okay. it was long form. I don't remember the exact framing of the stat, but it was, I remember that five years of time that you get to invest in your people and, you know, on, on average. And you, so you're, so you're going to have those that are there for 20 years, but how many of those are going to only be there for two or three or one? Uh, and so, yeah. you know, what that average works out to be and, Oh man, when you think about that and the, the importance yeah. of driving back to the gospel and, and just, you know, being in the gospel constantly. And that's, that's one of the things I think in, as we're in seasons of doubt to, to point back to, and we keep coming to this with all the different things as we were back in the, in the fruit of the spirit series that came before this. And in this series as well, it's always going back to looking at who is God, what has God done? And what does God promise? And yeah. when you come back to those things, the doubt trims away. We can see ourselves yeah. growing in the spirit. We can grow in the spirit. We can listen to the spirit. We can fight off dry seasons. Um, and sometimes the doubt is a reason for a dry season. And sometimes the dry season causes the doubt. It's kind of a, how that works is different. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And it's not always consistent. Yeah, but, you know, right. I, I think a lot of ways that... Uh, that, that we do struggle with, with the doubt are sometimes we don't even recognize it. You know, it's there, but we don't realize that's what's, what, that's the, the start of the issue. And that's why yeah. running back to the gospel constantly is just so important. Right. Exactly. And that's, um, there was a book, gosh, and now I can't remember right offhand who it was, but, um, it was, it was the importance of preaching the gospel to myself. Yes. Um, you know, reminding myself of who God is, you know, and one of the things that, that I tell my people all, all the time is, you know, we never graduate beyond the gospel. There's, there is nothing deeper. What what we understand, I think, is the, the longer we're Christians is that the, the gospel is much bigger than just, well, yeah, sure. I believe the gospel. I mean, I, I'm saved, right? I, I, I prayed the prayer. I walked the aisle. I, I was baptized. Um, I know the gospel. Now let's move on to something deeper. No, like the deeper is the gospel. That, that's yes. it. That's, that's all there is. Um, and understanding that, that the gospel is not just what saves us, but it's what, it's where we find our identity. It's what sanctifies us. It's, um, it, it's what, you know, some days it's what gets us out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me as a pastor, I mean, there are, there are a lot of Sundays, most Sundays where, I mean, I wake up, I'm excited. You know, I get to go be with God's people today. I get to prepare this. Uh, I get to I get to proclaim the, the gospel. I get to proclaim this message that I've been working on all week. Man, there's some Sunday mornings like the alarm goes off and it's like, oh man, already. <laughs> like 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 it's Sunday again. Didn't we yeah. just have one of these? And mm. um, and so on those mornings too, it's it, it's a reminder where I where I have to be reminding myself, hey, I, I have the privilege to proclaim the best news possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and not just to, not just to my congregation, but good grief to myself. Uh, like, like there are a lot of Sundays where what I'm preaching 
I'm preaching because I need to hear it, and I need to preach it to myself that that Christ is sufficient, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's so. So if if sin is you know if we, where we started this thing, if sin is the ultimate cause of doubt, then the remedy for that is the gospel, yeah. where where the gospel removes doubts, or as we said earlier, at least provides a safety net, so that when I doubt, I I can say okay. Um. I'm struggling to believe these things right now, but I know that they're true. I I can rest in these things even when I'm struggling right now in this moment to believe it. I I can still trust that that this is true. I can trust that God is real. I can trust that his grace is sufficient. And and that may be the only thing I'm holding on to, right? (laughs) All right, I'm going to... You know, I'm gonna fall here and trust that grace is gonna is gonna hold me up, and um, I'm still here. So so far it's worked. <laughs> um, well, and as you were going there, I was I, my mind flashed back to James, and you know, verse two, chapter one, verse two. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Whenever you experience various trials, so often I hear that, and it rightfully so, because that's the context pointed toward persecution and physical right. real world flesh and blood trials but it also applies to doubt it also applies to yeah. the, the the trials of the mind that we struggle with and, and uh what was it and know? i so love yeah i so love that he puts various in there yeah. right various <laughs> trials so all right your own sin uh, well sure that's a various trial check uh, sins of other people that that, that affect you uh, various, you know, Check. even down to diseases <laughs> and um, and accidents and natural disaster. Well, yeah, sure, various, right? It, all those things qualify under that big tent of various trials. <laughs> yep. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the key is to experience it all joy, right? And at those yep. moments we'll go, yeah, well, oh, what does James know? He, he doesn't, he, uh, <laughs> he doesn't, James doesn't know what I'm experiencing right now. <laughs> he so, hasn't done this yet. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, man, good stuff. Oh yeah, there's so much there, and I, I, I have said this on the again. I keep coming back to certain themes. It seems on the podcast, but uh, I spend a lot of time in James, and I yeah. spend a lot of times in Galatians. Every summer I go back and uh, and I go back and and to last several summers it's been study them separate. Uh, this summer, I actually was reading all of James in the morning. I think it was James in the morning and Galatians at night or vice versa. And cool. because I had the extra time in the summer, I read the whole book every day mm. for two weeks. Uh, those That's two combined. And oh my goodness, my brain was exploding by the time I was done. And in joy and in struggle. And I mean, it 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 works on you. Uh, yeah. And But and, it there's so much depth. As you're saying, the gospel is... it. it Yes, it's elementary, but it's also the AP course at the same time. Right. You know, it's, 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 yes, you can wade into the gospel and you can get your ankles wet. And, and oftentimes that experience, you know, my son loves going to the ocean and he, he loves to go jump in the ocean and swim around and mess with stuff. And that's awesome and wonderful. And he has experienced enough to know that he loves it and he trusts being in the ocean, but he has no clue what it's like out 20 yards further. And then, right. Then you really get past the shelf and, 
oh my goodness, <laughs> it changes. And he's never really yeah. done that. And yeah. so the idea of the the vastness of the ocean is just it's it's not even it's not even relevant to the vastness of the truth that is in the gospel and how deep it really really gets and i i think sometimes we shortchange what it means to be the gospel um and we try to to put it in this nice neat little box and uh, i think sometimes we stop it at you know we were talking about moving past justification and realizing sanctification is a squiggly line i think sometimes we want to put the whole gospel and stop it right there at justification and call it a yep. day and yep. We don't want to think about, we, we don't get into sanctification. We definitely don't get to glorification because that just gets confusing. And right. so we don't get into it and we, we say Christ is sufficient, but then we only say he's sufficient for this. And when, then right. when it comes to sanctification, we leave off Christ is sufficient and now it's, I have to, and then yeah. we get to glorification and it's not Christ is sufficient. It's I have to. And I have to is not the gospel. Christ did is the gospel. And, you know, Christ is sufficient. The word is sufficient to tell us about Christ, who is sufficient to save us, to keep us, to guard us and to bring us to the end. Right. And, you know, going back to James, right, he says um, he even talks about, you know, we're. How we try to take a long view of things, right? You say, "Oh, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go here and such and such," and yeah. you know, and then he says, "Yeah, what are, what are your your mist?" And actually, you know, it, the word there is you're a vapor. You're you're, you're here like for a split second, and then you're gone. Yep. And, and and the you know the Bible in in uh, Lamentations three would remind us that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Um, meaning. I think one of the one of the things that causes us to doubt is we're trying to handle tomorrow's problems before we have tomorrow's grace. Yes. Right? So I mean his mercies are new every day. That means that I have I have the mercy for today. Give us this day our daily bread, right? As exactly Jesus taught us. Exactly what I was thinking about. Yep. And and so you tomorrow know, has I mean, here enough, we are. Yeah, exactly. Tomorrow I mean, has I enough troubles of its own, get, as Christ yeah. put it, you know? Exactly. Hey, I, I want to go to Walmart and I want to get groceries for the week. That's not how grace works. That's not how yeah. mercy works. You're, yep. you're given the mercy for today. We don't need a savings tomorrow, account for God's mercy. That's right. Yeah. For, for for tomorrow, you'll be given the mercy to handle tomorrow's problems when they come. Um, and and that's, you know, I think we, yeah, we, we try to, <laughs> I love what you just said. You don't need a savings account for God's mercy. Um, we, we try to bank it and yeah. that's not the way God's economy works. I think about the we're, manna. We're, exactly. Yeah. Don't save any till tomorrow. Well, what does he know? Well, we'll show him and what happened. It, it, it was rotten. Yep. Just like he said it would. And, <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it goes, it goes back to believing what God has said, believing the gospel. I know we've said that several times, but, but boy, when you get in those cycles of doubt mm. and discouragement, um, those I think I think those simple truths are the ones that we tend to cloud over yeah. the, the first. Whereas, you know, we we just simply need to be reminded of who Jesus is, right? That that the I mean, the greatest truth that that we know is sung in in a, in a children's hymn: uh, "Jesus loves me, this I know." Yeah. Right. Let's. What if we just 
rest in that and and trust that he's forming him he's forming himself in us in our characters and yeah then you know 10 years from now we'll be able to look back and see the way his hand was working in us and through us and around us in ways we can't even fathom right now as you were saying that my mind popped to the analogy that's throughout scripture it's in new testament and old testament both of the potter's wheel and you know we're yeah. the lump of clay and when you put the lump yeah. of clay on the wheel to start you have no clue what it's going to look like and bit by bit it is shaped. And I've often thought of, and, it, and, and what really leads me to this thought is the idea of the vine and the branches and that he is going to prune the vine and pruning means cutting and cutting is oh. painful. And, <laughs> and I, I think of the idea of that pot and it, you know, as the clay, as it's being stretched and pulled and shaped and set together and then put in the fire that cannot be comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're getting spun around in circles and you're getting yanked in all sorts of different directions and then you get set alone by yourself to chill out for a while while you dry out and then you get thrown in a fire yeah. none of that sounds comfortable to me i don't like summer right. so I, I i don't like the heat <laughs> of summers i'd never be able to make it in alamogordo for very long come to the desert man to a <laughs> And so, you know, I, you know, just the, the, the idea of that refiner's fire and the idea of yeah. the pruning and the idea of the shaping and that you are being molded and you are being made into Christ likeness. Those are, uh, you're going to be trimmed. It's not going to be comfortable. I think about, I use this on online on Twitter all the time because it's easy and short, but the idea of iron sharpening iron, when two pieces of iron are used to sharpen one piece of iron, both pieces get sharpened and both pieces lose parts yeah. of themselves. And so yeah, as we, sorry. as we go through that process, we are, we're literally shedding parts of our old man so that the new man is all that's left. And, yeah. and that process is, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's going to feel like doubt. And, and so often it's going to feel like doubt. Sometimes it's going to feel like pain. Sometimes it's going to feel like loss, but, but doubt is one of those that, you know, what am I going to look like when I'm done with this? You know, the whole idea of going, we all hate middle school, right? Who wants to go back to middle <laughs> school? Raise your hand. Nobody raises uh, their hand. Why? Uh, nope. Because there's that doubt of going through and not knowing what you're going to become. And the, the teenage yeah. angst is angst. There's a reason for that. And that's so much of that is just based on doubt and not understanding there's a goal and we try to manhandle that goal and we try to yeah. force it. And so as somebody posted on my face on my Twitter feed this morning uh, that she was having coffee with a friend and, you know, uh, a 3.9 GPA isn't enough and you don't need to have six letters to your, your essays for your stuff. You need to have nine and you got to have, oh. you have to start now to get your things, to get those tier one scholarships. And I'm sitting there going, man, a little anxiety and guilt for anybody. Hey, do your best. Cause you can't do better than your best. That's right. Yes. Plan ahead. Be prudent, be wise, but there is no need for that extra stress and strain and, and just all of that brutal anxiety and heavy burden of you're not doing enough for your child. God has things in control. God is sovereign and in control. 
and will guide you if you, well, he'll guide you there whether you listen to him or not. The process right. will be easier when you listen to him. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and and the reality is we have very little control over much anyway. Oh, yeah. So, you know, why, why stress out? I, I was having this exact same conversation with a guy, with a fellow pastor today who um, is going through cancer. And, oh. and he's he's doing well. It's it's not in remission, but it's um, it's stable is the yeah. word that he used. And, and And he said that exact same thing, you know. I, I've learned that I don't, I really, at this point, I really don't have control over this. So, you know, I, there are some steps I can take. Great. But why stress immensely over what I don't have control over? He said, ultimately, I, if, if this life ends, I, I, I'm pretty secure in where I'm going, you know? Um, How is it that, that all of this goes all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount so often? I mean, so yeah. often. Here we go. Matthew uh, 6, 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh, hmm, that one's hard. And then it goes straight into the cure for anxiety. Uh, don't worry about your life. Right there. Don't worry about your life. Yep. If you stop the sentence, you don't. the rest of it is clarification. But if you stop right there, that's hard. What you will yeah. eat, what you will drink, what about your body, what you will wear, isn't life more than all of that? Consider the birds. Uh, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather, yet your father feeds them. Aren't you more than worthy than they? Aren't you of more worth than they? Uh, that's a kind of a quick translation on my part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the modified CSB. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> so, you know, as, man, and I go back to the... I. That that Sermon on the Mount is is stuck in my head for several reasons, and I go back to those those passages. And again, when I started doing that, as we were married, my wife would look at me when in times like that, when things were stressy, and I wouldn't stress out, and she would look at me. Would you just get mad once and just like please get angry about this because I don't feel you're taking it strongly. And it's like what yeah. what is my worry? Why where is my anxiety or worry going to help? tomorrow how is it going to make it work better and and i've had to take i've had to talk myself into that a few times and turn it on myself and how is your worry helping in this situation and you know trust god for tomorrow don't even worry about today trust god for today but also trust god for tomorrow and the next day and follow and be faithful and man it's it's not easy no. Uh, those no, are those were hard won lessons <laughs> that 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 have not come easy for me, uh, and there have been times when I've tried to manhandle it, and that's when I've screwed it up the most, and uh, yeah. because I'm not being faithful, I'm not I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, and uh, man, it's it's so so cool that we keep coming back to the to the same things over and over again. The remedy is the same: run to the gospel and uh, stay there. <laughs> Lash yourself to the gospel and don't let go. Uh, and, Absolutely, that's that is that's the bottom line, right? Yep, that is. Find, with, find your identity, find your find your rest in yes. the gospel. Yep, it won't solve all your problems. I mean, it's it's but but in that you will. It, that doesn't mean that you're not gonna have worry tomorrow. Right. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna have stress. It doesn't mean you're not gonna come right back to this doubt at some point or another. But that is ultimately the answer yep. for life's problems. It provides the filter to yeah, me. It's, the, it's, the gospel it, provides the filter that allows me to, un, to, to 
it's almost like salt. It makes it makes the day palatable, and it makes me yep. makes me be able to taste and enjoy the day. It allows me to rest. It allows me to do all those things. The gospel is the filter through which the world functions. Uh, yeah, all right. things have their their being and their breath and their life through Christ. Think about Colossians one. You know everything that exists exists because of Christ, and His yeah, gospel right. is what makes it work. And if we try to do anything outside of that, it's not going to work right. That's right. And uh, well, with that note, I think we've we've hit a great ending point right there. Look <laughs> to the gospel. I keep coming. It's every episode we come back there, uh, and it's a great place to end every episode. And it's if that's what we do, then hey, I'm all for it. Um, right. And so, Kyle, I want to say thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, we've actually I might have to split this into two episodes. Uh, it's entirely possible because we're approaching an hour and 20 without introductions, uh, without without uh, awesome. the preview post view. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and for those of you listening, if it's all one episode, thank you for struggling through this far and listening. Hopefully it hasn't <laughs> been the train wreck that, uh, that it could have been. And uh, we hope that uh, you continue listening. Uh, Kyle, I want to give an opportunity for you to, to tell folks where we can find you in social media and online and wherever else. Yeah. Um, so you can find uh, the podcast that I do with my buddy, Matt Hensley at uh, not another Baptist podcast on Facebook, uh, www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast um, for the church replanters. Uh, just search uh, church replanters on Facebook, all one word. Um, on Twitter, you can find that at Replant Collective. It's in its at uh, Replant C O L L E C T V. Collective is is the way that it sounds. Um, and and we'll be posting some more stuff about the Amire Replanter uh, conference coming up in May in Alfreda, Georgia. Or I'm sorry, in March in Alfreda, Georgia. Hmm. And um, really excited about that. And and excited to hear we're, one of the things we're going to be doing to hopefully fight doubt and fight discouragement, particularly for pastors and and uh, church members in church revitalizations and church replants, is we're going to be sharing revitalization stories mm. from, from guys who are in um, in tough situations. Um, the first one of those went live earlier today with Michael Cooper in uh, Maybank, Texas. So I would, I would highly encourage you to just go check out the Church Replanters uh, Facebook page. That video is there and, and be encouraged. Um, so Ryan, thank you so much, man. I've enjoyed it tonight and it was a needed reminder in my own life too, to man, yeah. rest in the gospel, right? I, Just, I need it every day. As, as difficult and as simple as that is rest yeah. in the gospel. Yeah. It, so. Yes. A great conundrum, <laughs> how simple and also how complex. So right. with yeah. that note, I do want to say thank to everyone. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us on Simmering Thoughts. I uh, do hope you check out Not Another Baptist Podcast. I commend it to you. Uh, it has been a At great blessing. At your own blessing. risk. At your own <laughs> risk. It has been a great blessing to me uh, to listen to their episodes and, and, and the things they do. And the as, as Matt often says, they don't take themselves too seriously. They take the gospel seriously. And uh, that is a great blessing to me. It reminds me to laugh a little bit, and I need that from time to time. Uh, but right. uh, they do a great job in in quickly drilling down to things and, and discussing them in a way that, that helps me filter through. Uh, and I, I really appreciate that. So I commend that to you. Uh, thank you for Thanks, listening. Man. 
I pray that you all have a great week, that the Lord will bless and run to the gospel. Have a great week, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Simmering Thoughts. Please take the time to share it with friends and let them know that we are here on the internet. You can send them to our website, simmeringthoughts.podbean.com, to our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter, or at Simmer Thoughts, to our Instagram page, at Simmering Thoughts Podcast, and you can also send us email and feedback at simmeringthoughts at gmail.com. Please remember to go to your favorite podcast catcher, rate and review us. Look for a new episode to come out next week, continuing this series on Seasons in the Life of a Believer. Have a great week.